Well, I take an artist or a band and listen to their work. Then I put them on a list like a music critic jerk. Then I put them all in order from the best to the worst. But you probably won't like my choice for first. I don't care. You might think this idea is dumb. You're wrong. It's actually random. Hello, and welcome to another edition of Random Album Rankings. My name is BC. Thank you so much for joining me. Be sure to follow this podcast on Instagram so you can stay up to date on future episodes, music news, and a little bit of everything in between. Oh, boy. It's so hard to believe that Season 3 is coming to an end. I mean, after this week, there's only two episodes left, a couple of random bonus episodes, and then my two year-end specials, the worst and best of 2022. It's just been really weird that this whole journey for the last three three years has just been great. I've it's been a lot of fun. I can honestly say podcasting is so much better than broadcasting on so many levels, and I am going to miss doing this without question. I'm really going to miss doing this. Uh, but just to let you know, I'm not done with random album rankings for good. It's just that after this year with things going on right now in my personal life and my professional life, because again, this podcast, although a lot of fun and hopefully will one day turn this into a full-time job, it's not, but I've been grateful to be hosting at least 70 episodes so far, almost a hundred. If you count the random bonus specials that. Uh, my wife and I have done over the last three years, but I'm I'm definitely proud of this particular pod- podcast, and hopefully, I can get season four back up and running. And when I do, you will know. Uh, I do plan on having the Red Hot Chili Peppers redo uh, kickoff season four. So as long as you follow this podcast on Instagram, I'm going to keep posting on a regular basis. Uh, future episodes, even though there's only a few left this year, music news, everything in between, basically rubbing in to you guys about all the concerts that I attend, but I'm not quite sure what's going to happen to me personally in the future. So for now, let's just have a little bit of, let's have a lot of fun and wrap this up, wrap this season up in style. And with that said, uh, you're going to see a pattern these next three weeks because all three acts these next three weeks that I'm going to be uh, putting the spotlight on and ranking are all Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductees. Uh, this one in particular was inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame uh, quite a few years ago, 2014, 2015, I want to say. Uh, I'll have the uh, final, the official year when I do the Cliff's Notes history and facts about Pearl Jam. But next week, I'll be putting the spotlight just in time for Halloween on Alice Cooper, who when, who he himself was a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductee in 2011. And I kick off, I close season three with a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductee from this year. And you will find out who it is when the show drops. So as long as you keep following the podcast, keep commenting, uh, keep uh, sending me DMs. Trust me, I will be posting. And on occasion, I'll do a random ranking on Instagram itself. All you got to do, 
Yes, I know I sound like a broken record. Follow the podcast on Instagram. You can thank me later. But yes, this week's episode is dedicated to one of the legendary acts in the genre of grunge music. Yes, Nirvana may have uh, kicked down the doors with Nevermind and introduced people to grunge music, but there were so many more from that particular genre that really stood out just as much as they did. Alice in Chains, uh, Soundgarden, Hole, the Stone Temple Pilots to a point. Uh, But this week, the spotlight will be on the ones that are still going to this day. And still, well, okay, Stone Temple Pilots and Alice in Chains are still going to this very day. But Pearl Jam, let's face it, they're legends, and they have the discography to prove it as well. And I'm looking forward to this for sure. Uh, And when you really think about it, the big four of grunge, Alice in Chains, Nirvana, Pearl Jam, and Soundgarden, Eddie Vedder is the last remaining frontman from those particular bands. Lane Staley, Chris Cornell, and Kurt Cobain are all gone, but Eddie Vedder still stands tall. And one of the things I regret about uh, Pearl Jam is I didn't get to see these guys live when they were in our neck of the woods a few weeks ago because my wife and I were at the Blue Ridge Rock Festival that same week. But apparently it was a damn good show, and hopefully Pearl Jam will tour on their upcoming album, whenever that may be. That'll definitely be one to check out for sure. But instead of moping, we're going to be celebrating Pearl Jam's discography. We're going to rank them. But before I can do that, it's time for a brief history and some facts about Pearl Jam. Pearl Jam is an American rock band formed in Seattle, Washington in 1990, The band's lineup consists of founding members Jeff Amett on bass guitar, Stone Gossard on rhythm guitar, Mike McCready on lead guitar, and Eddie Vedder on both lead vocals and guitar, as well as Matt Cameron on drums, who joined in 1998. Keyboardist Boom Gaspar has also been a touring session member with the band since 2002, and drummers Jack Irons, Dave Cruson, Matt Chamberlain, and Dave Abrazetsi are former members of the band. Pearl Jam outsold many of their contemporaries in the early 1990s and are considered one of the most influential bands of the decade, being dubbed as, quote, the most popular American rock and roll band of the 1990s. Formed after the demise of Gosford Amon's previous band Mother Love Bone, Pearl Jam broke into the mainstream with their debut album 10 in 1991. That album stayed on the Billboard 200 Albums charts for nearly five years, and has gone on to become one of the highest-selling rock records of all time, going 13 times platinum in the United States. Released in 1993, Pearl Jam's second album, Versus, sold over 950,000 copies in its first week of release, setting the record for most copies of an album sold in its first week of release at that time, a record which would eventually be broken five years later. Their third album, Vitology, became the second fastest-selling CD in history at that time, with more than 877,000 units sold its first week. One of the key bands in the grunge movement of the early 1990s, Pearl Jam's members often shunned popular music industry practices such as making music videos or participating in interviews. 
The band has also sued Ticketmaster, claiming it had monopolized the concert ticket market. Well, they're not completely wrong. In 2006, Rolling Stone described the band as having spent much of the past decade deliberately tearing apart their own fame. Pearl Jam has sold more than 85 million albums worldwide by 2018, including nearly 32 million albums sold in the U.S. alone by 2012, making them one of the best-selling bands of all time. Pearl Jam was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame by David Letterman in 2017 in its first year of eligibility. They were ranked 8th in a reader's poll by Rolling Stone magazine in its Top 10 Live Acts of All Time issue. Throughout its career, the band has also promoted wider social and political issues, from pro-abortion rights sentiments to opposition to George W. Bush's presidency. Vetter acts as the band's spokesman on these issues. Compared with the other grunge bands of the early 1990s, Pearl Jam's style is noticeably less heavy and harkens back to the classic rock music of the 1970s. Pearl Jam has cited many punk rock and classic rock bands as influences, including The Who, Led Zeppelin, Neil Young, Kiss, and The Ramones. Their success has also been attributed to its sound, which fuses the riff-heavy stadium rock of the 70s with the grit and anger of 80s post-punk without ever neglecting hooks and choruses. While Nirvana had brought grunge to the mainstream in the early 1990s with Nevermind, it was in fact 10 by Pearl Jam that outsold it in the U.S., and the band became, as I mentioned earlier, the most popular American rock and roll band of the 90s. Pearl Jam has been described as modern rock radio's most influential stylists, the workmanlike mid-tempo chug of songs like Alive and Even Flow, just melodic enough to get moshers singing along. The band inspired and influenced a number of bands over the years, including Silverchair, Puddle of Mud, and The Strokes. The band has also been credited for inspiring the indie rock scene of 90s-era urban Pakistan that has since evolved into a rich rock music culture in the country. And now that you know a little bit and then some about Pearl Jam, let's get to ranking. Well, the rules apply as usual. No greatest hits collections, no live albums, which means if you're wondering where your favorite bootleg live album ranks on this list this week, you're going to be in for a major disappointment because I'm not counting those. Uh, But if I have to give some recommendations on albums that are greatest hits, B-sides, rarities, live albums, EPs, and that sort of thing, i got to give recommendations as far as live albums go. Uh, It's hard to determine which bootleg live album was the best, the ones from 98 to 2003. Uh, But I can give a recommendation to Life at the Gorge, which is a four-CD set. That one was pretty good. And I would definitely give that a high recommendation. And that's more than enough incentive to have this desire to want to see Pearl Jam live, because Life at the Gorge, I think, nails it perfectly. And B-Sides and Rarities, i got to give a recommendation to Lost Dogs. That's got some major deep cuts, major, uh, major, of course it is, a lot of rarities, including it gives you a reason to have Get Yellow Better on CD. Yes, I know it was on their Review Me Your Greatest Hits uh, collection from 2004, I believe. 
But Lost Dogs, you at least had Yellow Lead better if you didn't feel like spending the money on the Jeremy single. So those are my recommendations. But otherwise, those types of albums do not count this week. These are only the official studio albums from Pearl Jam. And coming in at number 11, this has always been debatable about which Pearl Jam album is the worst or the least favorite. And going back and forth, listening to their discography for a number of years, I think I finally figured out what my least favorite Pearl Jam album is, and I have to go with Riot Act from 2002. This would be the seventh album of their career and their final album for Epic Records. Now, where do I begin with this one? I mean... It's clearly a politically charged album. This is basically, it should have just been called W Sucks because most of the songs on here were anti-George W. Bush and not just because one of the tracks on there was Bush Leaguer, but I mean, and I, I get it. I'm not defending, I'm not, this is not about political preferences for here. This is just basically opinions on quality, lyrical content and what have you. But as far as this album goes, it does start off strong, really strong. Can't Keep is a great opening track. Save You is an underrated single. I do like Love Boat Captain. But then you get to the final three quarters of this album, and it's just, it meanders at some point. I didn't care for I Am Mine. I mean, North is to South, with Clock is to Time. <laughs> okay, sure. But... Oh boy, I, I really, and half full, that explains the album perfectly. It starts off strong, but near the end of it, a good chunk of Riot Act is the musical equivalent of mayonnaise on white bread with the crusts cut off, a bowl of rice on the side, and you wash it all down with a glass of whole milk. If you have, If you don't know what I mean by that, I mean it's boring. It is bland. I'll even say as far as Pearl Jam albums go, Riot Act is definitely the worst album of theirs that I have ever listened to. And especially coming off of Binaural, which I'll talk about much later on in this episode, Riot Act just kind of, it, it was just dull. It was meandering. There was hardly any life on this album. Like I said, the first three songs are great. Uh, I can probably defend thumbing my way. And I guess All or None is a good closing track. But otherwise, Riot Act just didn't do much for me. And as I said, this will be the final album of their career on Epic Records. Because going forward, they would go indie. And honestly, I think they're better off for it. But we'll talk about that a little later on so let's keep going coming in at number 10 for years people were saying this was the worst album of pearl jam's career why it's not my go-to for them it's far from their worst album in fact there's some hidden gems on this one my pick for number 10 would be no code from 1996 and I know this was marred by controversy, especially coming off of Vitology and the boycott of Ticketmaster, which resulted in, I, I'm pretty sure there was no tour for this album. Or, no, there was, but it didn't last very long. 
and I get it. But you know, no code. I don't get the I don't get the hate for it, honestly. I really don't. Because it's not a terrible album at all. Starts off strong. The sing the choices for singles are great. Hail, hail, who you are. Off he goes is underrated. Present tense is a solid deep cut that really begs to be listened to. Uh, in my tree, eh, I suppose I can defend that one. But I think my favorite song on here is Red Mosquito. The guitar work from Jeff Ament and Stone Gossard are just incredible on here. And I have to give props to the album cover and the design. Mike McCready's Polaroids that were included. There's this random, no pun intended, Polaroid pictures included in every copy of No Code. And I, those are interesting in, the, in themselves. But, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, No Code, I, th I think, is horribly underrated. Again, not a masterpiece. But there are some good songs on there. I I don't get the hate. But what do I know? Uh, honestly, no. I think No Code deserves another listen. Is it their best? Like, not their best work. It's not their best work from the 90s for sure. I mean, if we're ranking Pearl Jam albums from the 90s, yeah, No Code would definitely be at the bottom of the list. But with so many albums that the band has put out over these last 20-some years, almost 30 years... No Code is far from the worst album. And most recently, this was showing up at the bottom of many lists as, where, as far as ranking Pearl Jam albums is concerned. And that I don't understand. My pick for number nine from 2013, album number 10 of their career, I went with Lightning Bolt. Sue me, what, what can I say? I really thought this album... This album does not deserve any hate at all, much like No Code. Lightning Bolt is solid. The hooks on here, the melodies throughout the entire 47 minutes of this album, it's, it, reminds, it harkens back to the time where Pearl Jam was the biggest band on the planet. Honestly, if you're a fan of verses, then you will love Lightning Bolt. Honest to God, Lightning Bolt is horribly underrated. Much like No Code, although I think I, between the two underrated PJ albums, I think I would go with Lightning Bolt over No Code any day of the week. Uh, maybe it's just, just me, but I consider this an unofficial companion piece to Versus because they both both albums sound so similar, especially if you love their hard rock sound. Then Lightning Bolt is definitely for you. I admit I ignored this when it came out. I was kind of burned out on Pearl Jam at this point. It's just because, I mean, I get they are great, but people's obsession with the band just, ooh, it just, I just, at that point, I just got burned out on Pearl Jam. It was hard to keep uh, keep track on stuff. And, you know, Pearl Jam, I had a love-hate thing for too. So I just needed to push them away for a while. But I finally got into, I finally listened to this album a few years after its release. And I gotta say, from start to finish, Lightning Bolt is really not that bad. So I don't get the hatred for that one either. It's certainly a lot better than the last two albums I talked about. Uh, as far as uh, highlights, 
Uh, Mind Your Manners is okay. I think Sirens was a better single. The title track was great. Uh, Pendulum was another good one. Future Days, which closes the album. Those are definitely my favorites. And Hate All You Want, it still went to number one on the Billboard 200 albums charts. So Pearl Jam were clearly doing something right as far as this album was concerned. Love it if you want to, hate it if you want to, but Lightning Bolt still became Pearl Jam's fifth album to hit the top of the charts and disappeared quickly. Yes, I get it, but I do like Lightning Bolt. I thought it was produced perfectly, and you got Brendan O'Brien, who's been a longtime producer for the band. I don't really know what else to say about it. Uh, Lightning Bolt, if, you, if you're if you a fan of Pearl Jam's hard rock sound, and if you dug Versus or Backspacer, then Lightning Bolt is definitely the album for you. And speaking of those two albums, we're just going to keep right on going here. Coming in at number eight was the album that, even though I just talked about it, uh, Lightning Bolt reminded me of, I do have it a notch higher than Lightning Bolt. My pick for number eight from 1993, I did go with Versus. I used to actually love this album. Everybody was obsessed with 10, but I thought Versus was pretty solid too. But as I got older, Versus kind of, sort of uh, waned in popularity for me. But there's still some damn good tracks on here. And as I mentioned in the history and facts about Pearl Jam, at one point, Versus held the record for most copies sold in its first week of release. Nine, almost a million, almost a million copies sold its first week. It actually uh, sold 990, some 997,000 copies, I believe I said earlier. And that record would be unbroken until 1998 when Garth Brooks' double live album sold 1.5 three million its first week but pearl jam had the record for quite a while there are some good songs on here even songs that weren't even released as singles but managed to chart just because of the airplay alone uh starts off strong go animal daughter which was the big hit off the album uh glorified g that was an interesting song i remember my local rock station where i was growing up was playing that quite a bit dissident is great uh, not the biggest fan of WMA. Rearview Mirror is a great song on. I also love Elderly Woman Behind the Counter in a Small Town. That is probably one of my all-time favorite Pearl Jam songs, and it is off this album for sure. I don't really know what else to say on here. Oh, uh, there's also a reissue CD, a deluxe edition, which had a live CD that came with it. And there are some interesting... Uh, covers on here too there you get the live versions of sonic reducer which is a cover of dead boys uh fucking up which is a neil young song so those are interesting try and they close with elderly woman on the live cd that comes with the deluxe edition of verses it's really a decent album for sure crazy mary on here uh, which is also one of the bonus tracks that's an underrated pearl jam uh cover or by Victoria Williams. Just a very good album. It has, it's kind of waned in popularity for me over the years, but 
doesn't mean I doesn't mean I hate it because there are some great tracks on here. I just don't gravitate towards verses as much as I had in the past. And while verses dropped in popularity for me, I have to admit, and this is probably going to anger some people, the album I have at number seven at one point was my least favorite album. But as I get older, I think it's not, I don't think it's that bad. My pick for number seven, I went with Backspacer from 2009. And this was the, uh, this was the album that you could only buy at Target. At, for a short period of time. It came out on September 20th, 2009. This is album number nine of their career. Now, September 20th, 2009, that album came out the same week that Vertical Horizon dropped their fifth album, Burning the Days. And if you know me, you know what I ended up buying first. I had to basically be forced to buy Backspacer because people were, oh, it's so good. It's so good. But then again, Pearl Jam fans always say that about a new Pearl Jam album. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. You got to hear it. Um, whatever. So I nonchalantly picked it up after I collected my paycheck that week because I only used uh, my money for Vertical Horizon at the beginning of the week and at the end of the week. So I did, okay, 10 bucks, Pearl Jam, all right. Because I had to make a, make a trek up north for a job that I had farther up north. And it's it was decent. I wasn't obsessed with this album like a lot of people were the first week it came out. But I will at least admit... The 39-minute uh, length, fun fact, that's it makes that the shortest album Pearl Jam ever released. But I think the 39-minute length benefits this more than hurts it. And compared to albums by mainstream artists that were released in 2009, uh, like No Line on the Horizon by U2, I think Backspacer aged a hell of a lot better than No Line on the Horizon did. And I went to the Horizon, No Line on the Horizon tour when U2 was on tour. Great show. U2 puts on a hell of a show. I admit that. And I still have yet to see Pearl Jam in concert, but I have heard and seen proof that a live Pearl Jam show is totally worth it. But Backspacer, I think, aged a hell of a lot better. And I will say this, the choices for singles, A number one, The Fixer. That's a hard rocker. Just Breathe is just better, an acoustic guitar, and surprisingly became the big hit. Not really on alternative or hard rock stations, but it did well on easy listening and, and uh, adult top 40 stations. Figure that one out. But Just Breathe was one of the big hits off of that. Amongst the Waves was a hit on adult alternative. And let's see, Gonna See My Friend was an interesting opener for sure. I will admit that. Uh, got Some Kind of Sucks. Sorry. Uh, Supersonic was interesting. Force of Nature, McCready on guitar is just solid. Vetter's songwriting was at least a little better compared to, you know, Riot Act or Lightning Bolt. I think Backspacer, the, the thing that helps Backspacer more than anything is the fact that it is a short album. The rule of thumb... As far as listening to music is concerned, I would rather have 25 to 40 minutes of 
stellar music than in than filling out an 80 minute album where half of it is filler i there's maybe one or two songs on there that i would consider filler but otherwise backspacer i don't know i i also gotta say the mixing and the production are 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 spot on but then again you know who's producing yeah yeah, Brendan O'Brien. He is the man, and he has been Pearl Jam's longtime producer, as I said. So, Backspacer, I think, deserves a little more love, and definitely aged a lot better than I than any of us had expected it to be. I mean, I'll take Backspacer over Riot Act or No Code any day of the week. And with that said, we have. I mean, there are eleven albums that Pearl Jam has released. I have already covered five of them, so there's only six more left. And here's an interesting choice for number six. And this one, I was really surprised at how brilliant this album was. And the thing that really, uh, the only flaw in this album, about, about this album, was it was released the same week as Oops, I Did It Again by Britney Spears which sold 1.8 million copies its first week. Pearl Jam and Binaural had to settle for the silver medal that week. Oof. But yes, my pick for number six is Binaural. And boys, I got to say, this was one of the most interesting albums I listened to that decade. I was going through some rough patches in the early half of that decade. But... I got to applaud the experimentation on this one. This was, they used binaural recording techniques, hence the title of the album. And what binaural recording is, it's a method of recording sound that uses two microphones arranged with the intent to create a 3D stereo sound sensation for the listener of actually being in the room with the performers or the instruments. And the, this effect is often created using a technique known as dummy head recording, where a mannequin head is fitted with a microphone in each ear. Yeah, it's some pretty interesting stuff. And I got to say, Binaural is that one Pearl Jam album that if you simply, if you have a pair of headphones, that's what this album is meant for. Honestly, because you feel like you're in the studio watching Pearl Jam, listening to Pearl Jam record and perform this album for you. I mean, you could crank it up on a stereo system, but the headphones work so well, and it is phenomenal in every sense of the word. And I made a mistake, uh, or actually, no, I did not make a mistake as far as uh, Binaural goes. Oops, I did again, did sell 1.8 million its first week. Binaural, 226,000 its first week and still has yet to achieve platinum status, which is really a shame because of the three, of the couple of albums I've talked about as being underrated, I think Binaural is absolutely 100% horribly underrated. And I really think if you've never listened to this album, you've, you really should. And... The production on here, the instrumentation, the guitar work, drumming from Matt Cameron was on here. It was on this album throughout, and it works 
I mean, by that point, uh, Soundgarden had been broken up for two, three years at this time. Uh, Mike McCready was in rehab because of prescription drug abuse. And Eddie Vedder had writer's block around that time during the recording of this album. And despite the the hindrances that the band had suffered this whole time, during the time of the recording, binaural worked. It really fucking worked. I... This is probably one of the most underappreciated albums of the 2000s, honestly. And again, with Riot Act being their worst, it was kind of a... Sh- I mean, I could see the writer's block for this band, but man, oh man, Binaural is brilliant. I mean, sonically, it's beautiful. But again, I am rambling and I get that. A lot of good songs on here. Break or Fall. God's Dice, Light Years is a great single. Nothing as it seems is phenomenal in every sense of the word. Uh, Insignificance, Grievance, Sleight of Hand. And I got to love the one-two punch that closes the album. It's nearly seven minutes long, Parting Ways. And Writer's Block, which makes perfect sense as far as what Eddie Vedder was going through. And honestly, Binaural... It was really hard not to keep this in my top five because Binaural is brilliant. And that's this is another Pearl Jam album that I found myself uh, ignoring until much later. And by much later, I mean a year after it had come out because it was available to check out at my local public library. So I checked out a bunch of CDs, went home, went to my bedroom, popped on the headphones, listened to Binaural. That is a that is an amazing musical experience. So if you have headphones and you have a streaming service that has binaural, which at this point all the streaming services have Pearl Jam's discography available, put the headphones on, listen to binaural. You can thank me later. And with that said, there's only five albums left to talk about. I'm going to take a break and pay some bills. And when we come back, I will have my top five favorite Pearl Jam albums of all time, including... Their most recent. I told you this episode will probably be controversial amongst you Pearl Jam fans. So hang tight and save your hate mail for at least another 20 minutes. As we enter the top five for Pearl Jam's discography, coming in at number five, This is where things get really controversial, but I have reason to defend this choice. My pick for number five is the latest album from Pearl Jam. By latest, I mean two years ago. I went with Gigaton, the 11th album of their career. There was supposed to be a tour that went with it, but unfortunately, because of a little thing called the COVID-19 pandemic, the tour was delayed until this year, which sadly I didn't get a chance to go. But... Definitely going to go for the next Pearl Jam tour if they come to this area. And I have to say, this there are a lot of people that were really, you know, hit or miss, thought it was hit or miss. I will at least be honest, though, about Gigaton. It is definitely the weirdest that Pearl Jam has ever sounded. But you know what? The experimentation on this one 
And this isn't the first time the band experimented with different kinds of music and different kinds of sounds. And I'll talk about that as we head towards the number one spot. But Gigaton definitely does is, I think it's a pretty damn solid album. I got to be honest, though, Dance of the Clairvoyance, when I first heard this song at the beginning of 2020, it was weird, to say the least. It was a very, had a disco sound, which is something you don't think of when you hear the word Pearl Jam. So you got Jeremy, and then you got this disco beat with Dance of the Clairvoyance. But you know, I kind of dug it. I listened to it at least two or three more times after that first listen. And not just with that song, but the album in general, I have, I'm going to defend this album. I think it's a very uh, gutsy album for sure, but most definitely a great album as well. And definitely deserves to be in the top five. I hesitated back and forth over the last year as I was uh, prepping for this episode because I had Binaural in fifth and I had a Gigaton back in fifth. It was just kind of alternating. But final answer, Gigaton remains in fifth place. And Dance of the Clairvoyance may not have been for everybody. You got to love Super Blood Wolf, man. That is a rocker in every sense of the word. And there's so many good songs on here, not just Super Blood Wolf Moon. Uh, Quick Escape was interesting. Uh, Retrograde, which I believe I talked about uh, the video for. Yes, the video for Retrograde had Greta Thunberg. And I mentioned this when my wife and I were doing the Best of 2020 episode. I had Gigaton in ninth place for favorite album of the year. My wife wasn't that hot to trot on the album as much as I was, but I'm going to defend it still being in my top 12. Higher than Folklore, which I did. I apologize, Taylor Swift fans. Well, I kind of sort of regret that. Folklore would have definitely been higher looking back. But, uh, oh, that'd be a good episode. Re-reviewing and re-ranking my top 12 or see if these belong. Uh, but that's another episode for another time. Gigaton, I mean, a little bit of everything, a lot of experimentation. The grunge and post-punk is there. Disco, new wave sounds as well. Everything is intact. Uh, Dance of the Clairvoyance is a good one. Super Blood Wolf Moon. I already talked about the singles. Uh, I also like 7 O'Clock and Comes Then Goes. Uh, 7 O'Clock is definitely a group effort, much like Dance of the Clairvoyance was, but I think 7 O'Clock is better. Not necessarily because it's a longer song than Clairvoyance, but 7 O'Clock just really delivers as far as the musicianship. Vocals from Eddie Vedderon point. Ahmet and Gossard are awesome. Or Gossard, excuse me. Uh, Mike McCready on guitar, as always, is great. Uh, and Matt Cameron, wow. Matt Cameron really uh, delivered as far as drums go on this album as well. Dance of the Clairvoyance, he also played guitar on All Right, Take the Long Way. I don't really know what else to say about this album. And... That's the other thing about seven o'clock is there are no drums on this on this particular song or there's a, yeah there's no drums on seven o'clock so that's what makes it great it's all guitar work keyboards a little bit of odds and ends and Vetter's vocals are solid as usual and the ending song River Cross really delivers as well uh, this is going to go down as a very under misunderstood album from Pearl Jam much like No Code was. While No Code hasn't really aged well over time, 
gigaton i think will age just fine it's fairly new there's still time for you to give it a listen and just focus on the sounds and the aura on this album as a whole it really is a good album i just wish you would give another listen if you're a pearl jam fan it's pretty solid i mean even if you think pearl jam peaked after the 90s ended really because if that was the case then i wouldn't have this next album at number four but gigaton for sure i i think this is their best work since the album i have at number four and their first i would consider to be a future classic this is one that's going to take some time it may not have been great to a lot of you right away but gigaton is definitely going to be one that stands out 10 years later, this will be recognized as a classic. This won't be the last time you hear me utter those words for a Pearl Jam, a recent Pearl Jam album, too. Coming in at number four, here we go. My pick for number four was what I believe to be a comeback for Pearl Jam, especially with the hit or miss years from 1996 to 2006. My pick for number four is affectionately known as the Avocado Album, but it's actually a self-titled release. It's the Avocado Album for one reason and one reason only. It's got an avocado half gracing the album cover. It's the first thing you look at when you see the album. And my God, this was definitely a return to form here. I mean, you got your alt-rock sound that made them famous, the grunge and the post-punk as well. Definitely a harder album than we all expected. No Code, I get disappointed fans and kind of sort of dwindled the fan base and then you had binaural which was slowly coming back up although with radio and fans gravitating towards the boy girl groups and new metal at that point pearl james binaural seemed to just slowly fade away by summer's end of 2000 and then you had riot act which is just sludge and not the good kind of sludge that you get from uh, a sludge metal group like Mastodon. I mean, it's absolute sludge. It's bottom of the barrel and definitely the worst for Pearl Jam. But they really came back in 2006 with this album. So many great songs on here. It's damn near perfect. And it even managed a number two debut. And unlike No Code, Riot Act, and Binaural, a majority of the critics just ate this up it was really a great album from start to finish not a bad track well unless you're pitchfork and they're nitpicky about everything uh, but honestly i love this album worldwide the, the singles are great worldwide suicide life wasted gone was another good track on here that probably should have done a little better or just as good as the other two singles but uh, comatose severed hand Unemployable, we've all been there, right? Uh, Army Reserve and the Seven Minute Inside Job, which had lyrics and music written by Mike McCready. Just phenomenal from start to finish. And you got Matt Cameron on drums at this point. And Eddie Vedder, yes, Eddie Vedder is not only the one responsible for vocals, no shit, Sherlock, but it was his idea to uh, do the layout with the avocado under the name Jerome Turner. This was the, uh, and the album concept here 
it was a little more it, it picked up where riot act was trying to go towards they don't like the bush administration and this album i think is a far superior version of riot act so you can just throw riot act out the window as far as i'm concerned love boat captain aside riot act is a beer coaster always was always will avocado the self-titled album sorry is far superior it even made got pearl jam back in the number one spot on alternative radio worldwide suicide was a number one hit they had had number one hit in 10 years at that point so Pearl Jam was being taken seriously again. And I at this point, I had hesitated on whether or not to go back to another Pearl Jam album, especially with things being hit or miss around that time. Like I said, I didn't hate No Code then. I still don't hate No Code. Binaural is an undis- underrated album from them. And you, you already know how I feel about Riot Act. But just because I decided to catch Pearl Jam's appearance on Saturday Night Live, I remember it well. It was my first apartment, uh, Living Alone, which was great at the time. Uh, Lindsay Lohan was hosting one of the last few uh, bastions of when you could take her seriously, although she was pretty far gone. and She wasn't even like, that great on that episode. But Pearl Jam's performance on Saturday Night Live that, that week was solid enough that I wanted to give the album a whole, the whole album a shot. And I'm glad it did not disappoint because that whole album is phenomenal from start to finish. If it wasn't for the next three albums that I have on my list, and again, I knew this list was going to be controversial. Your tastes are completely different from mine. That should be expected. But I think when we get to the top three, you might agree or you might understand why I have certain albums the way I do. Pearl Jam, the self-titled release, definitely belongs in the top five. And maybe next week when this episode has come and gone, maybe Binaural will be back in the top five. I don't know. But all I know is the Avocado album will forever be in my top five. It is one of the best albums that the band ever put out. And this was my favorite from their 2000s output for sure. Definitely give that a listen. I mean, if if you thought Pearl Jam's best years were when they started from uh, 10 to Yield, then the self-titled is definitely one you want to put in your collection, give another listen to. You may be surprised. And with that said, it's time now for my top three favorite Pearl Jam albums of all time. All right. Well, I am already absolutely 110% prepared from the Angry Pearl Jam purists when I announce what my number three favorite album of all time by Pearl Jam is. And look, I get it. It is an example of a perfect debut album. The Beatles did not have a perfect debut album. Radiohead did not have a perfect debut album. It's very rare to have a debut perfect album in any era of music. So 
If you were to tell me 10 by Pearl Jam is a perfect debut album, oh my God, I absolutely agree. It is a perfect debut album. It's not the perfect debut album. Well, perfect debut album as far as the 90s were concerned. But it's definitely an example of perfect debut albums, which will be a future episode at some point, as soon as I can get season four off the ground and done properly. But let's focus on this episode and this debut album that I am talking about. Coming in at number three, I went with 10, released on August 27th, 1991. And what has... What can I say about this album that music publications, uh, YouTube videos, the guys like the guys in Taste Like Music and Luke from Rocked, everybody, everybody. What, what, what can I bring to the table and say about 10 that has not been said already? This was the album that started it all. And as I said before, it is a perfect debut album. Three decades later, it's one of the best albums of all time. And this is the epitome of a perfect grunge album. There are no flaws on 10. In fact, I'm going to be a smartass and say 10 is a 10. 10 out of 10 would listen to again, and I've listened to it again and again and again. I don't think I've gone a whole year without hearing this album and maybe one additional Pearl Jam album, which I will talk about a little bit later. But my God, after Mother Love, Mother Love Bone disbanded in 1990, Jeff Ament, uh, Jeff Ament on, basis, on bass and Stone Gosser on guitar, they began rehearsing with a newcomer to the band, Mike McCready, and then they transferred a demo tape to Matt Cameron, who played drums, and then copies of that demo went to Dave Krusen, who also played drums, and a vocalist by the name of, yep, you guessed it, Eddie Vedder. Now, Matt Cameron played drums on the demo, but Dave Krusen was the drummer for 10, and honestly... He deserves every bit of acknowledgement for making this band successful as everybody else that's been in this band over the years. Yes, Pearl Jam would not be the way it is if it wasn't for every single band member that was ever involved. Jack Irons, Dave Krusen, Matt Chamberlain, Dave Abruzzetti, all respected. Matt Cameron on drums still to this very day, solid. And think it's a good thing too. He definitely has helped out. He is one of the back. He is a important piece to the Pearl Jam mystique for sure. And like I said, everything that's been said about this album has already been said. It's just a phenomenal album from start to finish. It, believe it or not, as popular as it was, and as many copies as it sold. For those keeping score, 13 million copies in the U.S. alone. 
and it is the most commercially successful album in Pearl Jam's career. At least 2,000 copies, even in the era of streaming services, a physical copy of Pearl Jam is still bought every day, even in the age of streaming and downloading all and all that fun stuff. It's amazing. I mean, a great album is a great album, and 10 is an absolute masterpiece. I mean, let's start things off here. The opening track, once, you have the timpani and the sounds like a tribal thing going on that don't 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 ding ding don't you've heard the song this is why i'm not playing the clip because you get it you've heard this album it's what brought you to this episode to begin with once starts off on fire and then you have even flow which is just as awesome alive with that guitar solo near two minutes long closing out that album closing out that song just Fucking fantastic, and it is just chef's kiss, hands down. One of the best songs of all time, for sure. Then you got Why Go, and then you have the Tender Black, which, honestly, I do love the song. I'm not going to make fun of it, but let me tell you something. One of my last stints as a DJ at a radio station, uh, WEVE up in Eveleth, I've been through two eras of this particular station, when I started working there for a short time, it was an adult contemporary station. When I came back several years later, they said it was still an adult contemporary station, easy listening for those who don't know what I mean by adult contemporary, but easy listening, far from it. It was basically a mix of everything. This was a station who on my play log, you had, you got another thing coming by Judas Priest followed by Just Dance by Lady Gaga. And then in the next hour, you had My Heart Will Go On by Celine Dion from the Titanic movie, immediately followed by Black by Pearl Jam. You want to tell me what's wrong with that picture? One of these songs is not like the other. Yeah, well, actually, hundreds of the songs we played on that station during my last run there were not like the other. It, it was a mess. It was run sloppily, and oh, well, I'm not here to talk about how much radio sucks. I'm here to talk about 10 by Pearl Jam. But yes, I remember working a shift where Black was immediately followed by, or my, my Heart Will Go On was immediately followed by Black. And boy, the less said about that, the better. And yeah, or is it the less said about that, the better? Ow. Okay, I'll stop with the puns. Keep it on go keeping strong with this one. Jeremy with the controversial music video that won MTV Video Music Awards Video of the Year in 1994. Oceans is just a light two and a half minute track. It just kind of it's the set it's uh well Jeremy, I guess, would be the centerpiece of the album, and then Oceans starts off the second half of the album. Porch is just balls to the wall grunge from beginning to end and it's three and a half minutes long you have garden you have deep and then you have the closing track release and then a few minutes afterwards you have the hidden track master slash slave so technically it's 12 tracks 53 minutes long just a great album from start to finish like i said i don't really know what i can say about it it's just a perfect album 
even though I have it in third place. And I got to give a recommendation to the reissue that came out in 2009 as we approached the, uh, well, I guess it was almost the 10th anniversary of it because it kind of sort of, well, it was, okay, I'm getting off track here. Yeah, 10 came out in 1991. So 2009, when this reissue came out, it was approaching the 20th anniversary of 10. And this resulted in the track listing for 10 uh, remixed by, yep, Brendan O'Brien. And maybe it's just me, but I have always had a, I've always had trouble figuring out what kind of different sounds were compared on remixed albums, remastered, digitally remastered, digitally remixed albums compared to the original. But when I purchased 10, 20, that was the name of the album, the reissue, 1020. I noticed it. The production and the mixing were much cleaner compared to the original album. Now, the original is still great, but 1020, you definitely can hear the difference on the remastering. It's it's damn good, and it does not ruin the album. It, it's just... It's a just think of it as like uh, when Hollywood restores classic movies. It just look, it just sounds brighter. It sounds cleaner, but the energy, energy and the lyrical content are still raw to this very day. And it, if you got the super deluxe reissue, you got the unplugged episode from MTV in 1994. Uh, there was a cassette that came with it, which had the which had that trilogy of that had Alive, Once, and Footsteps. Footsteps was available on Lost Dogs, but at least here, the Mama Sun cassette, you had the whole trilogy right in front of you. And it's just a great album from start to finish. I, honest to God, still don't know what else I can say about this album that hasn't been said already. So with that said, I'm going to move right, al move right along to second place. And coming in at number two is the album from 1994, Vitology, the album that got them an Album of the Year nomination at the Grammy Awards that year. Now, I talked about how Pearl Jam was no stranger to experimenting with different sounds. I talked about uh, Gigaton. I talked about Binaural. I talked even mentioning uh, Lightning Bolt and even Riot Act. They did the different sounds and whatnot and no code. So... The experiments worked on occasion. Some did, some did, some didn't. But Vitology is one where they really, really, really dabbled, and it worked. I, to this day, this is the most mind blowing thing Pearl Jam has ever done. Uh, Kid A is to Radiohead. Yes, I'm going back to Kid A. This is my podcast. Shut up. Kid A is to Radiohead. What Vitology is to Pearl Jam. This is the most experimental mindfuck I have ever listened to from this band. And again, it works. It's an amazing album from start to finish. And this was also around the time frame where PJ became, uh, became the arch nemesis of Ticketmaster. And that's when things... This was basically the album that kept them in the stratosphere, but would also cause them to slide down because that Ticketmaster controversy... Uh, won more fans as well as lost some fans. But at the same time, let's talk about the album content. It's almost an hour long. 
and so many great songs. The choices for singles off the charts. Spin the Black Circle, about a love for vinyl, and won them a Grammy Award, to which the which had the infamous acceptance speech from Eddie Vedder when he accepted his award for best hard rock performance. I don't know what this means. It probably doesn't mean anything. Whoa. Talk about sticking it to the man when you accept their awards. I love it. And much like Versus, this sold well its first week. 877,000 copies its first week. So for a spell, Pearl Jam had the top two best first week sales. Versus being number one with 990-some thousand. And then Vitology with 877,000 in second place. So... This worked out well, five times platinum. This would be the final album to feature Dave Abrazetsi on drums because he was and he was fired from the band long before the recording was finished. So Jack Irons of Red Hot Chili Peppers would take over for the remaining for the remainder of the recording. And I am so glad that this has gotten more acceptance and more love as the years progressed because Vitology is phenomenal. I I love all the singles off here. Not just Spin the Black Circle, but Tremor Christ. Not For You is a banger. Immortality. And the surprise single that did so well on pop charts and, and adult contemporary, the Better Man, great song. Don't get me wrong, but if you had told me that was going to be what appealed to the pop airplay, to the pop charts, I would have thought you were nuts. But boy, what a time to be alive to listen to radio, to listen to pop radio in the 90s when you could have all those catchy songs and then just somewhere in there for the rock fans. You had, I mean, you had Janet Jackson, Boys to Men, and then somewhere in all in all that, you had Stone Temple Pilots, you had Soundgarden, Black Hole Sun, you had uh, Interstate Love Song by STP. I was thinking of the song, but I couldn't remember it. And then you had Better Man by Pearl Jam amidst all that. I mean, Wow. The 90s were definitely a interesting time as far as radio goes, and I love every second of it uh, as far as the music is concerned. And Vitology is phenomenal. What have I? What else have I mentioned? Uh, whipping was okay. Pry 2 was an interesting interlude. Uh, Bugs and Satan's Bed are, eh, I'm honestly not the biggest fan of those two, but... Their place on the album is decent. Is it's okay? I mean, unlike Ten, which is perfect. Vitology. If I skip Bugs, I'm okay. Satan's. I think Satan's bed is better than Bugs personally. But then we got Better Man, which I talked about. Uh, Immortality and the most disturbing song on this album. You know what? I'm not even going to call it a song. It's it's a collage. It's 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 a collage. It's a sound collage. Uh, the last track on here, Hey Foxy, Mop Handle Mama, That's Me, which is also known under a shorter title called Stupid Mop. And the history of this one, and it's very disturbing because the sound clips came from, from, reading about this, came from a uh, documentary about... Uh, Somebody's living in a mental institution and just that a just their psychiatric hospital, excuse me, and this loops all over 
the place for almost eight minutes. And the Foxy Mop Panel Mama is definitely disturbing and will keep you up at night for sure. Very nightmarish, too. Uh, most of the loops comes from a woman who uh, is disappointed when she's not when she's not hit. Yeah, it it's one of those that's it's definitely a disturbing track to say it's a mind fuck is the biggest understatement of the century and as disturbing and cringeworthy as a couple of the songs near the second half of Vitology go I I do love this album with a passion just I put it up there with the with 10 and the self-titled and gigaton uh as to what i would listen to if you're listening to this you've never uh, if and you haven't tried to get into pearl jam yet thank you so much for listening uh what i would suggest is yes you start with 10 that opens the floodgates uh if you like what you hear if you prefer the hard rock sounds i would probably go with I'd probably go with Lightning Bolt and Verses. If you like the songs that make you think after you hear 10, I would probably go with uh, Binaural and the uh, and the self-titled release. And if you like a little experimentation after you listen to 10, just skip on over to Vitology and then go into av the Avocado, the self-titled album, and gig a ton. Oh, wait. I forgot one particular album where there was a little more experimentation. So if you start with 10 and you like the experimental side, I would suggest you skip right over to Vitology and then you skip over, you skip no code and you go with this album that I have at number one. My pick for number one is an album by Pearl Jam. The more I listen to it, the more I love it. And honestly, I believe it is a thousand times better than 10 is. Because much like 10, Yield is a far superior album. Better sounding, better produced, better mixed. And I get it. 10 opens the floodgates. 10 you knew where you were when, where you were when you first heard this album. I get it. But Yield, after the disappointment of no code for a lot of people, Yield was returned to form. And honestly, this was a straightforward rock album. Now, unlike Versus, Vitology, and No Code, Yield did not debut at number one. It wound up being number two. And would also fall out of the charts just as fast as No Code did. But honestly, people remember Yield more than they do No Code. I personally think Yield is a great album, and it is much better than No Code. That goes without saying. There are a lot of... Uh, there's some lasts here. This is the last Pearl Jam album to feature Jack Irons on drums. He would be replaced by Matt Cameron, who... Uh, was fresh out of Soundgarden, who disbanded around this time frame. 
this al- this would be their last platinum selling album for a number of years. And this would be, honestly, this would be the last time they would crack the top five with their, uh, with their singles on the alternative charts. And Man Alive, it really is a great album from start to finish. And believe it or not, this is one of the lowest rated on all music. They gave it a two and a half star rating out of five. And I don't get why, because remember I was talking about the experiment, the experimenting with different sounds that Pearl Jam would do over the last few albums. Some of it worked, such as the case of Vitology, Gigaton, and even Binaural. Some didn't like No Code, Riot Act. But Yield, the experimenting here is that it was just a straight-up rock album from start to finish. No grunge. Just a straight-up rock album. Uh, Fun fact, it actually was kept off the number one spot on the Billboard 200 charts by the Titanic soundtrack. So, again, with the Titanic and Pearl Jam, I I guess it was meant to be whenever both, both songs showed up on my playlist at the same spot. But neither here nor there, it is a damn great album and it starts off strong too uh with the oddball brain of jay which is about john f kennedy and you have faithful f-u-l-l in this case no way and then you have that first single given to fly which is phenomenal from start to, which is just a phenomenal song and was a return to form i remember buying the single the day it came out i was really excited about this particular song and Unlike No Code, which polarized people, everybody, except all music, everybody loved Yield, and Man Alive, it really is solid. It's just bam, 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 great song after great song after great song. Uh, Given a flight, Wishlist, I think, uh, is horribly underrated as well. Uh, Pilot, P-I-L-A-T-E, Pontius Pilot, which actually was the B-side to the Given a Fly single. That was pretty solid, too. Uh, Lyrics by Jeff Amon. Solid like pilot. I have a dog. Okay. The lyrics are odd, but still a hard rocker. Do the evolution actually, believe it or not, was what made me a Pearl Jam fan for life, mainly because of that Todd McFarlane music video that they played on MTV quite a bit. Even showed up on TRL during its early stages. So not every proof that not every music video involved boy bands or girl groups or any of that stuff, but TRL had taste at one point, once upon a time. Uh, Do the Evolution is great. Uh, I mentioned Pilot being an odd track. Hummus, which is the hidden track on the album. Uh, Brain of JFK, which I mentioned earlier. Uh, There's that interlude, which if you still have the album, the interlude just has a red dot for the record. And that's basically Jack Irons just playing drums for a minute straight. It's not called the red dot. It's called the color red, but it, it definitely works. And Jack Irons drumming is very underrated. Even during his time in the chili peppers, I liked his drumming for sure. And, but I think he was a better fit for Pearl jam than he was the chili peppers, but that's just a humble opinion. Uh, my opinion, MFC low light in hiding is, is a definite hard rocker in every sense of the word. It is a banger. And that was one I think should have been a bigger hit. Wishlist was awesome. Given a Fly was amazing. But 
in hiding should have been a bigger hit. It cracked the top 10. I think it only got as high as number 10. Now that I think about it on the alternative charts, but I think it should have been a bigger hit. Push me, pull me, all those yesterdays. It's just a great album from start to finish. And if you had a, if you bought an import copy of it, you will have, you will have noticed the song Leatherman, which is actually the B-side on the overseas copy, overseas copy of the Given to Fly single. Uh, you, which would, wouldn't appear in the U.S. until the Lost Dogs rarity CD came out in 2003. Whale song, Happy When I'm Crying, or outtakes that showed up on various bootlegs at some point. But this was a very cohesive unit for a very cohesive album. I mean... I don't think Eddie Vedder has ever put on horrible vocals. He's delivered. Mike McCready, awesome guitarist. Jack Irons, great on drums. Stone Gossard, also a solid guitarist, especially with his work on Do the Evolution. That is damn solid. And Jeff Amon on bass is phenomenal, as always. Uh, Brendan O'Brien, take a drink each time I talk about Brendan O'Brien. Just solid. His production his mixing are phenomenal matt bales who was the engineer for this album he's worked with the greats too not just pearl jam but soundgarden minus the bear mastodon norma jean for example so he's done it all just like brendan o'brien has and number one in Aust the album is number one in australia mexico uh norway new zealand and only number two in the united states it managed to go platinum it has since so at least a, minute, a million and a half copies uh, as of now. But Yield, oh my God. If I mean, if there was ever a Pearl Jam album that solidified the band, I mean, 10 brought them to the dance. And then Versus and Vitology made them household names. But Yield solidified, here they are. And Yield, if you... If you love their rock, if you prefer the rock sound, then Yield is definitely one I would recommend for sure. So I would start with 10. You always start with 10, no matter what you no matter what. If you've if you've been wanting to get into Pearl Jam for a number of years, you always start with 10. And then it's up to you to decide. Because like I said, if you love the experimental stuff. You like your if you like the weirdness in your Pearl Jam, then you go with Vitology, then you go with Giga uh, Binaural, and then Gigaton. If you like their, if you prefer the grungy sound, then you go with Verses, and then you go with Lightning Bolt. But if you just prefer a good rock song, then you go with Ten, and then you go to Vitology, and then you go right to Yield. And then you go to binaural. But I promise you, once you get to yield, you'll be a Pearl Jam fan for life. Without question, this is an album I was glad to have in my collection for a number of years. And yield gets more listens than no code. Phytology gets more listens. Well, it, that goes without saying. So no matter what, 10, Vitology, and yield... And binaural for sure, and the self-titled are definitely examples of great Pearl Jam albums. As far as uh, repeat listening goes, you got to be in a certain mood for binaural, and you got to be in a certain mood for Gigaton. 
but it's always 10, Vitology, and Yield that get my attention. Uh, as I said, I think maybe two Pearl Jam albums I have not got a whole year without listening. Each year, if I feel like listening to Pearl Jam, it's either 10 or Yield. The big difference between those two is, well, besides uh, years, obviously, but Yield deserves more listens. Yield deserves more love. And just as far as rock albums go in the late 90s are concerned, Yield does not miss the mark. You got your oddball tracks and you got your stellar singles and deep cuts on Yield. You will not be disappointed. Like 10, Yield is perfect. But unlike 10, Yield is my number one Pearl Jam album of all time. Deal with it. And just like that, another random album ranking is in the books. But before I go, let's take one final look from worst to best, the discography of the one and only Pearl Jam. Coming in at the bottom of the list from 2002, I had Riot Act, followed by No Code at number 10, Lightning Bolt at number 9, Verses at number 8, Backspacer at number 7, Binaural at number 6, their most recent release, 2020's Gigaton, coming in at number 5, followed by their self-titled release from 2006 at number 4, debut album 10, coming in 3rd place, 1994's Vitology coming in second, and my pick for number one favorite Pearl Jam album of all time from 1998, I went with Yield. And that's going to do it for this edition of Random Album Rankings. Thank you so much for joining me. Be sure to follow this podcast on Instagram at random.album so that you can stay up to date on future episodes, music news, and a little bit of everything in between. If you listen to this podcast on Spotify or Google Cast, you can rate this and any other podcast that you listen to. Leave a rating, one star, five star, however you feel. Let us know how we're doing because, hey, we can only get better from here. And if you happen to listen to this podcast on Anchor.fm, feel free to leave a message for Random Album Rankings. Just click on Anchor.fm slash Random Dash Album. Click on Leave Message. Whether you're positive or negative, I don't care. But just to let you know, it will be played on a future episode. And a friendly reminder that listener support is greatly appreciated for this and any podcast you listen to on Anchor. So click on the listener support button on the podcast that you listen to on Anchor and leave a little donation. You can leave as little as 99 cents a month, not even a buck. If you choose not to donate... All I ask is you tell your friends to tune in for next week's episode. And next week, we're going to celebrate Halloween with the discography of Alice Cooper. I hope you'll be able to tune in for that one. So until next time, I'm BC saying the world is your oyster. Get out there and go shuck it. Goodbye, everybody. You may think this idea is dumb. Well, you're wrong. It's actually random.